Without further ado, let's welcome Charles from the second row, and he, he's going to continue on our great sermon series called 40 Days of Faith. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Hey, you guys made it on Daylight Savings Time. You are to be congratulated and celebrated. Well done, you. Give yourself a round of applause for keeping to the time. I'm sure there's a lot of people just thinking, oh my gosh. <laughs> it is, what is this? Time has shifted and figuring out what to do today. But it's good to see you. Hey, um, we are in a season called Lent. How many of you heard of Lent? It's a period of time that Christians have used traditionally to prepare for Easter. Six weeks of fasting. Anybody fasting? I am. It's fun, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's, uh, we're serious about what we're doing here. Fasting, prayer, it's good. We're happy about it. We, we use this season at the river to do a faith experiment we call 40 Days of Faith. It's a very special season for us. For many of us, it's our favorite season. How many of you feel like this is your favorite season of the church? It's it's favorite season of the church for many people because stuff happens. It's not just talk during this season. We are asking you to pray to God for something you can't get for yourself. And there are just many, many God stories of people experiencing miracles. And that's great. We're asking you to experience God in some ways, to hear from God, interact with God, to do a hands-on stuff, and stuff happens. Now, granted, it's a lot of work, right? It's not just coming to church, listening to you know, good talk and feeling good about it. It's, um, we're asking you to pray every day. We're asking you to use the daily guide and read the Bible every day. We're asking you to do stuff. So, you know, that can get, I mean, life is busy in New York, right? Anybody feel like, no, New York, it's a slow town. Nothing happening around here. I have nothing else to do. Might as well do this, right? No, you're all busy. You got all careers and, you know, it's just stuff you got to do. So what do we do? Why do we ask you? I mean, isn't it enough you made to church on a daylight savings day? I mean, why do you have to do more stuff? Why do we encourage you to do this? I mean, isn't it enough that you made it to church and you read the Bible and you're basically a good person? Isn't that enough? Well, folks, it is not enough. You know? It is not enough. I'm here to tell you. This, what we're asking you to do, it's not, it's more than a matter of curiosity or extra credit right you can kind of think that way right this stuff is extra credit this is for super christians this is for people who are just serious and maybe it's somewhat weird you know right i mean this is this is like for normal people you're like nah right let's be honest right yeah yeah this is this is a lot this is like isn't this extra credit I'm here to tell you, no, this is not extra credit. This is the very heart of Christian, Christianity, the very heart of Christian faith. This is the meat of it. It's a common mistake to think that Christian faith is being a good person, coming to church. You know what people think out there today? 
You know what people think Christianity is. Well, what do you think? Like, like there was a survey done that asked, what makes a person a real Christian? You know, not fake Christian, like fake news, you know? Real Christian. Not like Christian in name only, right? It's just real Christian. So that was the question. What do you guys think? If that was asked of you, what do you think makes a person a serious, real Christian? What do they do? What is your answer? Come on. What? I don't know. Okay, very good. That is not the top answer. (laughs) But anyway, some others of you. What do you think makes a person a real Christian? What? Going to church. Strong faith. Believe faith what? Believe what? Okay, that's the question. Believe what? Follow Christ. Good, good. Love. Kindness. What else? A kind kindness. Yeah, great. What else? Jesus, believe Jesus died. I, I love this answer. You guys have it right. You guys talk about Christ. You guys talk about Jesus. You guys talk about love. That's, that's really in the right direction. But the top answer out there, when Americans are asked today, what makes a person real Christian is someone who reads and follows the Bible. Bible Christian. Have you heard that term? No, I'm, not, I'm not a fake Christian. I'm a Bible Christian. I'm a Bible-believing person. That's what makes you a real Christian. Have you heard that? That's the top answer out there. Guys, I'm disturbed by that, that phenomenon. Because where's Jesus in that? You know, Christian, Christ is the center of it. But somehow Bible has become the center of it in people's minds. And it makes sense on one hand that serious Christians follow the Bible. I would agree. But, to, but, 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 you know, many people have thought like this from the very beginning for thousands of years. And this is what the Bible says about that kind of thinking. Those who depend on the law. Now, the law, that's God's laws. In original Hebrew, this is what people use to refer to the Bible. When you read the law in the, in the Bible, that's what they mean. It's the Bible that they're talking about. Those who depend on the Bible or God's laws in the Bible to make them right with God are under his curse. No one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. The way of faith is very different from trying to follow the Bible, the way of law, which says it is through obeying God's laws, the law, the Bible, that a person has life. Now, that's very strong language, isn't it? I mean, it's really bracing and counterintuitive because we're talking about the Bible. We're talking about God's laws. And what, that can bring on curse from God? What? Right? It's time for you to laugh. I mean, you don't expect to hear something like that from the Bible or in a church. Right? I mean, we love the Bible here. Every Sunday we preach from the Bible. I have spent enormous amount of time studying the Bible. The Bible is great. But to, so you just don't expect that a pastor or a church would say the Bible can bring curse from God on your life. 
trying to follow the Bible can bring a curse from God on your life. Let that sink into you. That's weird, don't you think? How does that work? Why? Isn't it a good thing to obey God's laws and try to follow the Bible? Hey, this is so counterintuitive. Now, people sort of like skip over this passage or come up with weird interpretations to wave it away. Just somehow, it must mean something else than what it must, it just plainly looks like. You know what I mean? No, we can't do that. We have to take this seriously, especially when you read something in the Bible that's counterintuitive, it's bracing, it's strong language. You've got to sit up and pay attention. You've got to like think, what does this mean? Because you may be under God's curse right now, thinking that you are following God's ways. You're trying to follow God's laws. It's got to be a good thing. But you are under, wow. Now, there's no hope if you're thinking you're following God, but you're under his curse. That's horrible, right? So let's, let's dig in and try to figure out what this must mean. I believe the key phrase here, Depend. That's the, that's, the, that's the key word. Depend on the Bible. Depend on God's laws to make them right with God. Again, God's laws, Bible, it's a great thing. But if you depend on it to make you right with God, if you put that at the center of faith, then you can get into big, big trouble. The Bible itself makes very clear how toxic that is. He says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law, by following the Bible? Of course not. How foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? It's a very interesting passage. He says, you're trying to obey the law. If you think obeying the law, God's laws, is where it's at, and uh, that, that with your own... See, this is what happens. You, you start, he's saying, you start your faith with the Spirit. And then you use your effort to try to obey God's laws. And, and, and he calls that, just how foolish can that be? That's the curse. That's what brings the curse. You start, see, this is what American Christianity... what people commonly think. How do you become a Christian? You begin by coming to Jesus. You know what I mean? Come to Jesus. Right? There's a moment there, right? Come to Jesus. That moment, that spiritual moment, when you come to Jesus and you accept him. I've done that. You know, I've, I had that moment of spiritual power when I came to Jesus. I didn't know. I was not a believer. And you come to Jesus, and what happens is that that he gives you forgiveness. You get forgiven, right? And that has happened to me. And so you get forgiven. Your slate is wiped clean, so you can start fresh. So so the program in people's mind is this is what Jesus does for you. He wipes the slate clean so you can start afresh. So then now what? Now you study the Bible and you try to live up. to the standards of the Bible and what the Bible tells you to do. So that's the program. You come to Jesus and then you follow the Bible. And as I look around, I think that's what everybody thinks. That's what Christian discipleship, Christian program, every church pretty much does this program. You come to Jesus, 
And then you follow the Bible. That, uh, folks, is starting with the Spirit and then going to your own human effort to try to live up to the Bible. Isn't it? It exactly is that. And that's what so many people think. And, and folks, that's heresy, as this passage is pointing out. No, Jesus is Alpha and Omega, beginning to the end. It's not about that. It's, it's foolishness. It will come to nothing, it says. Even though it looks like the right thing to do. Even though it makes so much sense, the Bible says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, the living God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the gospel, the good news. It looks like the gospel. It looks like the basis of faith. It it, it pretends to be serious faith. But it's not good news at all. It's bad news. Not the gospel. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. The law was designed to last only until the coming of the child Christ who was promised. Now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. God's laws, the Bible, is no longer to be our guardian. So then, what is to be our guardian? What is going to guide us? In faith, can't be anything goes. But if the Bible is not the center or the guardian in faith, then what is? Doesn't the Bible kind of act like that? The guardian, the guard, the guide. It tells you where you're going off. He says, no, 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 no. That, that era is done is what this is saying. So then what is? Well, it's all about receiving the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. It, it's... Holy Spirit, folks, is is the risen Jesus and the living God. That's the doctrine of Trinity. They are equivalent, interchangeable. The living God received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is now the guardian, the center of faith. You start with the Spirit. You finish with the Spirit. It's the Alpha and Omega. Holy Spirit is it, folks. In the New Covenant, Holy Spirit is our guardian, our guide, And that's why we need to put in the effort to connecting with the Holy Spirit. It's not extra credit, folks. It's not like we read the Bible, you be a good person, you come to church, and if you want extra credit, then you do that weird spiritual stuff. Right? That's what what people think. No, 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 folks. That's so old covenant 2.0. That's that's, that's been uh, updated. You know, if you don't have the new system, then nothing works. The apps will not work for you anymore. You know, it's been voided, gone. That system you cannot run on anymore. The Bible itself asks a rhetorical question. Now that God himself, through the Christ, through the cross, has become available to us to actually have a living relationship with, Now that the new covenant has made living God available to you, it says, now that you know God, or rather are known by God, meaning there's a two-way interaction with God. God speaks to you, you speak to him, he can actually connect with you. Now that that is available, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? 
this Bible-centered faith, Isaac says, you get enslaved by them. They are miserable forces. They are weak and miserable forces that will bring on a curse from God. And as you look around, that does happen. It brings a curse from God if you get enslaved by this mentality that there's some kind of, you know, Holy Scripture, whether it be Quran or the Holy Bible, whatever it says, that is the guardian of faith. You try to live up to it. And then you end up with like, well, women should know their place. They cannot speak. Slaves must obey their masters. Do you want to be rigidly following that right now? Do you want to encourage slavery around the world today? That's what happens when you put the Bible in that kind of rigid way, that Bible is our guardian in faith. Well, you know, let's enslave people. You can't do that. That brings on curse that is against the heart of God. God is love. Love has to take, it's alive. God is alive. He is living. He is giving us words of life appropriate to our context. If we don't get this right, you are going to get enslaved. And curse will come upon you. It's like, you know, you see these societies where they like, if you don't wear a hijab, they'll beat you up. Because that's the word of God. And it gives you justification to do stuff like that. That's the curse. Weak and miserable forces. So, then what are we to do? Well, the good news. Now, I've given you some bad news here. I've taken something down. So, we got to bring the good news in, you know. Got to bring you back up, right? (laughs) The good news is the Holy Spirit is available for everyone. He, He is there. He is available. And as I said last Sunday, that has big implications. If it's for everyone then it can't be one size fits all. It has to work for you in your weird, glorious, unique self-style way. You know what I mean? And that's exactly what God does. Look at what happens when the Holy Spirit comes to church on Pentecost. Pentecost is a holiday that celebrates the giving of the law. It's so significant. The Holy Spirit comes on that day. As if to signify, I replace the law, the Bible. And when he comes on Acts 2, he says, A crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? The thing that was amazing about the Holy Spirit that they note is that everyone's hearing their native language, right? That's what's amazing, that they know. Folks, the Holy Spirit is going to speak your native language. It's gonna, he's going to come, and it's going to feel so natural to you because he fits your groove. And that has big implications. That's very interesting to think about. Now, it's native language. That means when God speaks to you, it may feel so natural that you may not recognize it's God. 
Because it just sounds like you. <laughs> it's, your, it's yours. It, it fits you. The Bible is so full of stories of people who don't recognize God when he comes to them. They just think it's just an ordinary thing until much later. That's very possible. That's exactly what he's saying. So this is my first practical suggestion. Find your native language of connecting with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to say that's going to take some work. To find your native language, to recognize how God is coming to you in your own groove, your own personal way, that's going to take some trying on different things. Right? Guys, even for a, a good shirt that fits you or a pair of jeans that fits you perfect, that takes some work finding. Don't you? Yeah, don't you think? Right? I mean, do you think you can just go online and just type in, okay, pair of jeans, here's my size, and it comes and it fits? Does that ever happen? Because it's just so frustrating because every company seems to have a different idea of what size means. They all have different, like, sizes. Why do they do that? Can't they, like, standardize the size? I mean, some companies, you order medium and it's small, and you order small and it's medium or large even. It's just, wow. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. For a great-fitting piece, a pair of jeans, how many hours are you willing to invest in to find a pair of jeans that fit you perfect? Survey question. How many hours are you willing? How many stores are you willing to go to? Under one hour? No? Five hours? Ten hours? Twenty hours? It's worth it though, right? I mean, it's enormous work, but once you find it, you're so happy, right? It fits me perfect. Yeah. You know, your butt, your size, just like, oh, it feels great, right? We're willing to do that. I'm telling you, folks, if you put one-tenth the effort into trying to find your groove into connecting with God, God will be found by you. He will come to you. I mean, come on, guys. It's, your, it's insulting to God. If you're not willing to put in even one-tenth the work it takes to, connect, to find a pair of jeans, I mean, God's going to, right? I mean, he's going to, got, you got to give him some excuse to come and connect with you. It's just insulting, right? If you're trying to like go on a date and try to win someone's heart and you're not willing to put in any effort, it's insulting. You know what I mean? It's not that God just wants you to like work so hard. You got to give him some respect if you're going to value him once he connects with you. It won't work otherwise. You got to, Jesus says, if you put in the work, you will, Holy Spirit will be found by you. When he said, keep on asking, you will find. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. You got to put in some effort. You got to keep asking. And that's why we give you all these practical suggestions in this church. We don't just talk about the Bible and tell you what it means. Because that can feel so good. It can feel holy and righteous to sit there and listen to some great sermon, give you some great insights, and it tickles you. You, you sit there and you think, oh, I feel holy now, now that I heard this great insight about the Bible. I feel righteous. It feels great. Folks, that does nothing. That's nothing. That's pretending. It's like, 
It's like going to a store and watching a piece of great pair of jeans from outside and thinking, oh, that's just so good. I saw that jean. That's great. That's wonderful. It's great. Now I can go home. It does nothing for you. You got to go try them on, right? Christianity is not a spectator sport. You got to do it. You got to experience the living God. There is no other way. It's the Holy Spirit will bust in the new covenant faith. So you got to do it. I try to give you all this stuff to do. You don't have to do them all, but do some. I try them on like a pair of jeans. And see if it works until you find your groove. And we have all these workshops. We do these things and we invite you. Ten days ago, we had experience workshop. Do you see experience? It's got to be experiential. Workshop. Right? It's not a seminar. We don't do seminars. We do workshops. <laughs> okay? Because you got to do them. And uh, it was just so great. There were 50 of you there. Yeah. How many of you were there? Awesome. I was so happy. Friday night, it's cold, and there were 50 of you. You know, yeah, I'm in the right church. This is great. You know, loved it. And uh, what we did there was we all put our own name on a blank piece of paper. And we folded them up. We, all, we put them all in a bag. And one was pulled out. And, uh, you know, it was left right here. Nobody knows what it is. It's like the Oscars, you know. Until it's revealed, unless there's a mistake, of course. Until it's revealed, you know, nobody knows who that is, okay? And all 50 of us tried to hear from God what God may want to say to that person to encourage, strengthen, and comfort them. And this way... Nobody knew who this is. And so if it hits, it's really from God. Because, you know, it's not like I'm using the knowledge I already have of you to try to get something. You know, like if you go to a fortune teller, you know, that's what sometimes they do. They look at your face. They try to discern, suss out what's happening in your life. And then they try to fit that, you know. But because nobody knows who that is, you can't do that. It's just complete blank pace. And so there's a great chance that whatever people hear could be wrong will be wrong, most likely. You know, one out of 50, you know. Uh, so we asked the person, after, you know, after we reveal, after we, everybody shares the words they got, and we reveal the person, we ask the person to be brutally honest. That's all we ask of you. We are just practicing. We're just putting on a pair of jeans. No problem if it doesn't fit, if it's wrong. We're just practicing. And so this thing becomes illegitimate if you just try to be nice. If it hits, then share that. If it doesn't hit, you've got to be honest. It, ah, that didn't hit. You know what I'm saying? It's all we ask. And the person was Janine. And she had a very powerful experience. It was incredible. So we're gonna, I'm going to have her come and share what happened for her. Would you please welcome Janine? Some of you guys um, may know that um, for several years, um, that for several years um, we've had continual problems with bed bugs. Um, so it's pretty much been a nightmare because bed bugs are a nightmare. Um, the fourth time that we went through it, um, our landlord failed to treat our apartment properly. So, like because of the mental and emotional like warfare that was happening in our home, like I spiraled into a depression because it's overwhelming. Um, so this was the space I was in when I attended the experience workshop that Charles was referring to. Um, as Charles explained, nobody knew whose name 
was chosen that we are praying for, we all were just trying to hear for God from God for this unknown person. Um, one person said that for some reason, domicile kept repeating himself, um, repeating itself in his head. Several people said perseverance. There seems to be a theme um, to what people were hearing from God. Like this person has lost their joy, but they have um, a strong heart, a great heart, right? <laughs> um, this season will end soon. <laughs> This season will end soon. You need to recover your joy. Um, a season of rest and relaxation is coming soon. Don't lose hope. Um, I had a mix of emotions as I thought that it could be me several times, but I just wasn't sure, and I didn't want to think too highly of myself because the words <laughs> were so, like, I mean, to me, they resonated, but I was like, those words are, like, pretty good, right? <laughs> um, Peter unfolded the paper and said, it's your name, Janelle. I was like, oh, my God. I won. Like, <laughs> um, the whole time, Mandy was writing down the words that people were saying, um, so she recited them again once I, my name was revealed. Um, as I sat and let the words wash over me, I became overwhelmed and overcome by the specificity of the words and how deeply impactful they were and specific like for where um, I was. Um, they spoke specifically to the broken place I had been in and was fighting to get out of. Um, they spoke to my hopelessness, my character, God's plan for me, um, our unstable living situation. I mean, like domicile, that's like bad specific. Um, don't lose hope. This season has a purpose. It will end soon. I mean, like it couldn't get more encouraging than that, really. Um, I felt loved, seen, held, and known. This experience reminded me that God is alive. Um, he's faithful and that we'll get through this, whatever this may be, right? Um, and I needed that. I have faith in God's goodness, but it can get masked when life gets hard and life gets hard, you know? Um, I'm thankful for the way that the words encouraged me and that my community was able to see the impact on me as they took the risk to step outside of themselves to hear God for another person, um, I feel like everyone is able to experience the gift of God's love and how he sees and speaks to us where we are. Because, like, the impact on me was so specific, I feel like people were able to be encouraged by that moment as well. Um, I feel more encouraged and hopeful than I felt in a while. And for that, I'm super thankful. And that's all. Thanks. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? Good word, domicile. <laughs> you know, that was great. Very encouraging, isn't it? Doesn't it like raise your faith that God is alive and he can encourage you when you are down and he can help you keep going. He can guide you. He can guard you. Folks, living God is available. Why do we want to just settle for text? about stories of people. People had great experiences of God 2,000 years ago. But that's their stories. It needs to become our story. Those stories are meant to lead us to our own living stories, not, not to go back and settle there and live there. It must come alive, faith. And to do that, you have to go for the living God as opposed to going back to the Bible. That's so easy to do because, guys, 
You know, it's easy to do because Holy Spirit, let's face it, it, it sounds a little out there, isn't it? What is that? It's intangible. It's, you can't, there's no picture of it. There's no clear clarity. It's not visible. It, it's, what is it even? I mean, it's just like, what is it? it's like a cloud, you know? I still don't know what cloud, the computing thing, you know. Who knows what that is? <laughs> so then we go back to the Bible because Bible, it's visible. It's concrete. It's tangible. It tells you what to do. Folks, that is the heart of idolatry. Because God refuses to be captured, we want to go back to something visible and tangible, and we make that the center, and we worship that. That is idolatry. Can't do that. We have to go for the Holy Spirit. Are you convicted? Will you repent? Turn around? Yeah, are you, are you with me, Holy Spirit? Yay? Yeah? Then come to the experience workshop. <laughs> now, I mean, then go for the Holy Spirit. One of the things you can do is come for the experience workshop. We're going to have another one in April 7th. And this time we're going to put a little twist to it so that it's not just one person receiving words. Everybody will receive a word. It won't be as concentrated. But you will get a taste. We will try. Hands on. Everyone gets an uh, an experience. Sounds good? We'll give you pizza. (laughs) J. Crew doesn't give you pizza. So, you know, mark your calendar. Mark the uh, connection card. We'll give you details. 7 o'clock, April 7th, Friday night. And, uh, and, and try different things. That's why we, on Daily Guide, use the Daily Guide. We're going to give you all kinds of different suggestions every day. It's on our River app, our website. Every day there will be a little scripture and things to think about and suggestions, reflections. And, and this week, the spiritual practice for dummies for this week is, you know, you got to just try talking to with God in your own head. Just at least during this season, every day. Just try talking to God. And you know what? When you try to do that, you're going to feel foolish. You're going to feel like you're just talking to yourself. Okay? So what I'm asking you to do is like, in your own head, better yet, use a journal. Okay? That's, that's the spiritual practice. Use a journal to converse with God. But you can do it in your head too. Just talk to God like you're talking to a friend. Hi, God. How are you today? And try to think of what God might say in response. Anything that pops into you. What, what would God say to, hi God, how are you? In my case, God always says, I'm doing great. He's never having a bad day. You know? <laughs> God's doing fine. And so, okay, you're doing fine. And then he might say, how are you, Charles? And you just keep going. You know what I mean? And then you're going to feel foolish because it just feels like I'm just talking to myself. What am I doing? Right? But let's remember, God comes to you in your native language. It's going to feel like you. Okay? It could be God, but you just dismiss it because you just think you're talking to yourself. That would be a tragedy. I mean, what's the harm in talking to yourself? Especially if it brings insights. You you journal your own thoughts. It organizes it. At a minimum, all the thoughts that's rattling in your head, it gets organized. Isn't that great? 
So, you know, remove all the pressure and say, yeah, it could be God, it could be me, and just try it. There's no downside to it. Organize your inner, inner life. And I cannot tell you just how many times God has spoken so powerfully to me in such a powerful way, it just brought revolution to my life. That's not just me. You can't just bring that up. Crazy stuff can happen. What happened to Janiel? We just tried it. That could be just us. But don't you think it's highly unlikely? That seems very powerful. And I majored in statistics in grad school. It's a very unlikely event that is going on here. And so just try it. Use journals. Use, just try talking to God and see what happens. And remember, it could feel very native to you. The full instructions are on the River app and the website. You got to read the full instructions on how to do this because you could do some crazy stuff with this. You got to like not do that. You got to be rational and sane and safe. All of those things are on our app, web website and River app. Read it. It's right there. And do it. Don't just read it. Do it. And uh, another thing you can try, we have prayer beads downstairs today. I love the prayer beads. It really organizes what we are asking you to do during 40 days, different things. Like, for example, the black bee represents the fast. Whatever you're fasting from, food, alcohol, meats, coffee, that represents the fast. It's black. And so it reminds you. The letters are initials of friends you're praying for, so forth and so forth. It's a really good thing. I love it. Downstairs, instructions are down there. Make one and just try it. There are different things you can try to connect with the Holy Spirit to find your own groove connecting with God. That's the heart of faith is what I am proposing to you. That's why we do this church. There's really no reason to come to this church if this is not something you are into or you're willing to try at least. This church focused on helping you connect with God in your own way. How does that sound to you? Does that sound good? Are you in? Yeah? All right, let me pray for us then. God, I thank you that you are not dead. Now, what you have left us is just a book of stories that we are supposed to follow. That's just ethics. God, I thank you that you are alive. You have risen and you have not left us as orphans. Come to us. You, Jesus, are the light and the way and the truth. It's not the Bible that is the life and the way and the truth. It is you, Jesus. So come, speak to us. Expand our connections with you. Encourage us to try different things. And we shall have life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.